All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> right here on Zoom. I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. I'm Sid the Kid. Also, I am one of the original hosts of the Dean Davis Show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. All right, so we would be remiss if we didn't. Well, actually, well, actually, first off, you know, we're going to be joined by Fox 30, Fox Chicago's newest sports reporter and host, Caitlin Sharkey. Is that how you say your name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just want to make sure I got her name right. She'll be joining us in a little bit. Uh, but Sid and I would be remiss if we didn't talk, at least touch on all the recent news that's been happening around the entire country this past this past week and um i'll start off um seeing the people you know march and protest i'm not talking about the looting so that's that's a i don't like there were a lot of shenanigans going on over the weekend all over the country not just here in chicago but all across the country there's a lot of shenanigans but a lot of the protests were very peaceful and to see sort of like the nuance of everything everybody's sort of seeing you know what's been going on people of all all ages all races which i think that's refreshing to see you're seeing various coaches you know i saw tom herman who was a head football coach over at texas march with some of his players at, at the capitol building in austin i saw jim harbaugh march with some of his players up in michigan and ann arbor seeing you know some of these coaches i, I know uh, ryan day and justin fields the ohio state buckeyes released a a very powerful Black Lives Matter video. If you guys didn't haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. So you know, look it up there. But said to, to see to see like I guess people seeing what, especially Caucasians, they're you know seeing various. Because I've seen like various people like across the airways, both on the radio and on television, say that okay, you know what happened with George Floyd, you know that's kind of like woke them up and it's like, okay, you know what, now I see what's been going on. These, you know, what black and brown people have been talking about all these years. And if you saw the NFL last night, put out a very powerful video, some of their top black players, Patrick Mahomes, Jarvis Landry, Saquon Barkley, Deshaun Watson, among many others, to say that, hey, look, that could be me. I could be George Floyd. I could be Amon Aubrey. I mean, all the other people that, and you know, this is supposed to have been Breonna Taylor's 27th birthday. And we all, mm-hmm. you know, you know what happened to her. So I think to see some of the things that have been going on right now, I think makes me feel kind of encouraged that people are listening now, it seems. What do you think, Sid? I'll go and agree with you more, Lakina. First of all, I want to say peace and love to um, Mr. Floyd's family at this difficult time. We're with you. We're with the protesters as as well as, uh, and I noticed that uh, as we got along throughout this past week that the more protests have been peaceful throughout the country. So I'm encouraged to see that. Now back to our Caucasian brothers and sisters. I'm glad they're speaking out as well because usually when something doesn't affect you, you can roll your eyes and look the other way and say, oh, it doesn't affect me. It's their quote unquote their problem. It's other people's problem. It's not that way anymore. We are in a more diverse world in, in, in country than ever before. We are in a global economy. So what have, whatever happens to you, to your neighbor, to somebody else, it directly affects you. And so I'm glad to see our, our brothers and sisters from other ethnic groups outside of the brown and black community uh, uniting for this 
hopefully they can uh, stay united with us as we uh, plan and force uh, police uh, police uh, reform to change throughout our country. And just a, a reminder for many of our listeners, especially as us as African Americans, throughout our history, many of our our battles, uh, no pun intended, many of our fights we had to uh, go through civil rights, voting rights act, um, the reconstruction and the Montgomery bus boycott and uh, things along that line. We had allies from outside of our community help us. That's how the NAACP got started along with uh, the Urban League. So uh, we do need our allies to recognize that, hey, this is a problem. Even if it doesn't direct me affect, uh, direct, uh, affect me in that way, uh, uh, we need uh, they, we need their their help now. Uh, as I would tell them, they need to not just listen listen to everything that we have to say and have some compassion and just uh, uh, have some un- understanding as we move forward. And joining us right now is a new Fox Sports uh, Fox Thirty Two Chicago sports reporter, uh, Miss Caitlin Sharkey. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram. I'm sorry, Kayla. I'm, I'm blanking out on your Instagram and Twitter handles. Where can people follow you? Oh, K Rose Sharkey. Pretty simple. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. How are you? And welcome to Chicago. Good. Thank you. I'm glad you guys had me on. I'm excited. I'm obviously this is all very new to me. It's an interesting time to start a new job, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Okay, we'll get to all the other sports issues in your background later on in the show, but. We just started our, our show a couple of minutes ago. Of course, the number one story has been the murder of George Floyd, which occurred in Minneapolis, Minnesota, over a week and a half ago. Of course, there have been protests throughout our city and throughout the nation and throughout the world over this past uh, week and a half. Of course, many black athletes have spoken out, but many of, of the uh, white athletes uh, have spoken out via Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. I wanted to get your initial thoughts. Uh, what do you think about uh, white athletes speaking out against this injustice? I think it's important, and I think it starts a dialogue that maybe needed to be started a very long time ago. And listening to some of the athletes that I talked to this week, they said the conversations between the black and white athletes have been important. They've been emotional. They've been real. And a lot of it, I think, was just a disconnect and a lack of understanding when it comes to the white athletes. And I think now more than ever, they this light has been shined upon it. And it, it's unfortunate that it took so long to get to this point, especially with unity with within these teams. But I think there's a lot of conversations that still need to be had and a lot of action with these leagues and team owners and staffs and players. There's a long way to go, but I'm glad that it started. And it's unfortunate that it did take something so tragic and so terrible, like George Floyd's death to spark this. But I think it's important for athletes to come together and begin this because they are all in it together. They all work together toward the same goal. They should all be on the same page when it comes to equality. Yeah, 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 Caitlin, uh, we were actually going to talk about Drew Brees' comments. I mean, understandably and rightfully so, he got into a bit of hot water for some of the comments he made. He did it on Yahoo Finance, saying that, you know, listen, my, both my grandfathers, you know, fought in World War I. That's how, you know, the, what the flag means to me is about patriotism. Needless to say, some of his teammates were not very happy with him. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, who was the newest um, Saints, you know, if you look up on his uh, Twitter page, you know, he had this like five minute, like a very impassioned, like, like other black athletes have like impassioned um, 
speech saying that, look, you know, yes, it may, you know, that flag might mean patriotism to you, but for me, it's something totally different. They had a meeting, you know, they were able to air everything out. Then Drew Brees, you know, came out with another statement late last night, completely changing his tune. I mean, you know, Malcolm Jenkins was able to, was the first guy to kind of forgive him. We'll see if, you know, other guys like Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara shared a very passionate story about his background and what he went through. What do you think some of the, like, I think it, it's important that teams are having these type of conversations. You know, Caleb, what do you think? I think, I mean, initially I think Drew Brees just missed the mark and he missed the whole point and he missed the whole, and now of course, I mean, he's going to apologize. I mean, I'm sure his teammates reached out to him. He got dragged through social media. Understandably so, but it's like, to me, it's at the point, like, are you apologizing because you know it was so not well received and because you are getting, you know, this feedback? Or are you genuinely sorry for what you said and the fact that you did miss the mark? Because it, it just seemed like he missed the entire point. And like you said, he I mean, these teams are so diverse as it is. It, it didn't make sense to me. And especially when everyone was kind of understanding what everyone is fighting for and protesting for and voicing their opinions, for Drew Brees to make a comment like that, I mean, to me, it was really off-putting. I think he's going to have to do a lot of damage control. It'll be interesting to see when the season rolls around, what kind, how he's received as a teammate, how he's received. Will what happened to Colin Kaepernick now happen to Drew Brees? I don't know. That's an interesting way to like to me that I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, Colin Kaepernick's career was ruined for making something like that. Will the same happen to Drew Brees now? I'm not sure. And speaking of Colin Kaepernick, I'm glad you brought up his name, Caitlin, because the NFL, just like the other three uh, professional leagues, uh, uh, they they brought out a statement saying we support our players in peaceful protest, but. Call me crazy, but isn't the NFL hypocritical here? Because when Kaepernick did it, people changed the narrative to make it seem like it was about the flag. No, it wasn't about the flag. It was about racial injustice. I just felt that uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell and the rest of the people at the NFL front office dropped the ball here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I'm with you. I think they dropped the ball. I think they're going to have to do a lot of fixing, a lot of rectifying, because his career was completely ruined. And and, and there's interviews and there's statements that he made that it wasn't about all of that. It was about what people are protesting now. And it's unfortunate for him. It's sad that it took this long. But a lot of the athletes, even Akeem Hicks that we talked to this week, said he was afraid to take a knee because he didn't want his career, that his livelihood, to just go out the window. And they regret that. A lot of those athletes that didn't necessarily stand, they supported Kaepernick, but they weren't the one taking the knee as well. They regret that. And I think Roger Goodell, Goodell can release a statement all he wants, and he can say, I think it's too little too late, and it's, it's sad, and it's unfortunate for Colin Kaepernick, and I hope maybe teams give him a look because it, it, he was completely blackballed, and it's so frustrating, and it's frustrating that it took something like now and th this another death to, make, to open everyone's eyes and to think, oh, Colin was actually standing for something that was bigger than the flag and things like that. Another okay, Sharky. No, yeah. go ahead. No, we said. <laughs> yeah, Kaylin Shark. Yeah, okay. Kaylin Sharkey, um, Fox 32 sports reporter anchor, joining us right here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Kaylin, uh, let's stick with the Bears. As you mentioned, you were on the media call the other day as the Bears and the, their head coaching staff, along with the play, uh, all of the players and, and team members, had the Zoom call. I think it was over 100 people. And uh, for what Matt Nagy said, it got real and it got emotional, but it was very productive. Uh, 
Uh, take us through your interactions with that Zoom call. They, I mean, it was interesting to hear Matt Nagy say it was one of the most powerful meetings he's ever been a part of and one that he thinks will be the most powerful meeting he's ever been a part of. And then to hear Akeem Hicks say before they did the call, like Hicks was not about the call. He thought it would be another, the NFL trying to control the narrative, trying to steer them in a certain direction. He was not hopeful about it at all. And then they went on this call on Monday and it took, um, it was two hours um like there was a number of stories that were shared 40 people spoke so oh, i don't know if you still have me do you have me yeah yeah, yeah we, we hear you okay. okay um 40 people spoke and so after the call i think the direction changed they were excited about it but initially it was interesting to see the different perspectives how some of the players weren't looking forward to a call and then they said they came out with a lot of learning and growing and understanding and a lot of emotion because again these conversations it has to start somewhere and it has to start within your team and little actions about players like, I mean, they, Akeem Hicks referenced something about like the tight end group, which is predominantly white, not just sitting together at lunch and dinners and things like that. And it's, it's those little actions that a lot of people don't think about, but that's how a locker room can be divided when it comes to race. And that's, that's something they want to change. I, yeah, I think about uh, Vic Fangio's comments that came out about the same time you know, basically saying that, hey, I don't see color. I don't see any racism going on in the NFL, but I would, <laughs> I would implore him. And now he, he's, you know, apologized, taking it, taking it back, taking a little bit back. But I would implore him to ask his fellow AFC West coach, Anthony Lynn, who, of course, coaches the Chargers, and also his old coach, Levy Smith. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he went through a lot of, you know, racism when he was, you know, looking for a job. So, but at the same time, though, I, I, you know, if you saw Kyle Shanahan's comments, the coach of 49ers, his comments yesterday, you saw Jim Ursay, who's the GM for the Colts, say, listen, we got to be better, you know, I got to be better and I got to look into see. So do you think this will finally kind of peel the onion, if you will, to sort of like soft, soften the division and kind of create more unity, Caitlin? Absolutely. I think it will. It's going to take time. And I think a lot of people will wonder how they can do it, right? Because it's all, it's, it's one thing to say, yes, I do believe this. I want us to be united. I believe in equality. But how do you do that? And how do you do that at an NFL level when it comes to coaches and owners and players and staff? And so I think the NFL needs to take a good hard look at themselves um, from the top down and see how they can make actual tangible changes. Because it's one thing to release all these statements, it's one thing to record a video and post it on Twitter saying that you stand with all of these things, but if we don't see any change, we're gonna be right back here again. I couldn't agree with you more, Caitlin. I, I wanted to ask you, ever since the protests have been going on over the past weekend and a half, have you had any uh, uh, conversations with people uh, outside of the white community, uh, Black Americans in particular, Latinos, and if you have, what were those conversations like, and what was your experience like uh, in those conversations? To me, it's it's been a lot of um, me taking a step back and just asking, like, are you, how are you doing? Are you okay? It's a heavy time. It's an emotional time, and whatever I've been, I can't, you know, there's the, the privilege where I can't, I can't relate, and I can't understand, so it's now, it's trying to talk to people and understand what can I do to help? How can I help? What, what's going what's gonna to make this better? How can I understand just listening to all these stories? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's been a lot and it's good because it does open a dialogue. It makes people feel more comfortable to ask like, 
what can I do? What have you been through? And I think people just need to hear that. They need to hear specific stories and ways that they can help because like, like I said, it goes back to the athletes. They can all stand, you know, they can all, we can all be in this together for equality, but if we're not actually doing anything and we're not having these conversations and tangible changes, it, it's not going to matter. I think one thing we can uh, do as all of, uh, of Americans and citizens throughout the world, when you hear uh, of injustice, you see someone that's saying something that's inappropriate, we have to call it out right away, not just let things uh, blow by. I know there's an old saying, where, well, you have to pick your battles. That's true, but you see, when you hear somebody uh, saying something that's racist or doing something that's questionable uh, against somebody's sexual orientation, or, uh, or their ethnicity, we need to call it out right away and to, and to denounce it because it, it should not be, be tolerated if we want to equality like we all have, have been preaching here. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to having conversations with your own family members and my own friends that may be uncomfortable for them, but like you said, calling them out and saying, you can't, you can't think like that. You can't say things like that. It's inappropriate or stepping in when you see something that isn't okay enough. I think there was this like, not fear, but this hesitation for people to like step in and say, no, I don't like this. I don't like this conversation. I don't like this action. And now to just go and do it and stand up for people's voices that can't be heard and understanding that I am in a position to, to do that and try to change and try to help and understand. And it starts at home. And also not like canceling people every time somebody says like, I, I saw like some, I saw some uh, African-Americans, I think in New Orleans, you know, burning Drew Brees jerseys. I mean, I like, okay, look, let, let's not, let's not go that far. Let's not help. But I would say, mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher actually said this yesterday. And, you know, I think maybe he, he's onto something. Like, maybe perhaps not canceling people, mm-hmm. but maybe, like, educating them. Tell mm-hmm. them that, okay, look, you know what? Okay, yeah, yes, that, as I said earlier, yes, that flag might mean something to you, but it means something completely different to me. And, you know, Jake Fromm had some, caught mm-hmm. some flag yesterday for some old text that came out of him saying something, you know, stupid and mm-hmm. you know, racially insensitive. So I think that's the kind of thing also, I think that needs to be education. I think it's going to be the most prominent thing here, knowledge. Right. Because if we just start canceling everybody, what are they going to learn? And that, I think that's, that's where you made a perfect point because it's so easy to be like, oh, they made, they made a mistake. They said something stupid or racially insensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you just cancel them and we don't talk to them and don't educate them, well, what are we doing? We're just wiping someone off the list. And, and that's not, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring everyone together and it, it starts at educating them for sure. So you made a great point for sure. Kaylee Sharkey, a new Fox 32 Chicago sports anchor reporter, joined us on Sega City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. And just stay with that point, uh, Caitlin. Also, uh, you know, we just have to listen, not just what, what we want to hear, but, but listen to everything. Let, let's be compassionate and let's be respectful for everybody's, uh, everybody's viewpoints. We could do that uh, in being respectful, like you said, instead of just throwing uh, uh, people under the bus right away. and so, so quick to judge. I know uh, I'm working on it now myself, but, you know, we have to be patient and, and let people have their own views because, uh, like we've all been saying, if you cancel people without hearing everything it's just uh, the the goal to equality won't happen at all yeah and i think it's going to take time and patience and i think patience is something that needs to be practiced as we kind of continue to take these steps forward because people aren't going to get it overnight right this isn't going to be an overnight solution or cure and and i think a lot of people look for immediate 
you know, something to be fixed immediately. And that's not going to be the case when it comes to this, especially because it goes back for incredibly way too long. And I think there's so much hurt and pain and emotion and history that you can't erase. And you have to just look forward now and understand how we do that. But you have to practice patience because it's going to take a lot of it and a lot of heart and empathy and compassion to get us where we need to be. I know you had a uh, you had an interview with Alan Robinson a, a few weeks ago, and you you were the, one of the many things you were discussing with him is about how he's been um, training throughout the off season during this quarantine time. Uh, before we break down the meat and potatoes of the interview, what were your initial thoughts about uh, Mr. Robinson? What were your first um, impressions of him as you did I the think, interview a few weeks ago? Yeah, he was um, he's very. It was, it was, he's very engaging. He has a great personality. He just won another role model award with the Bears. And I think he is one of the leaders for that team. Um, and it was, it was interesting to listen to his perspective. Obviously, this was a couple weeks ago. But even his perspective on COVID and how to make an adjustment. And, I mean, it's such uncharted territory forever, everyone. But, like, athletes, he doesn't know the life, like what the future of his livelihood and his career will hold. So it was fun to see and listen to him think of the creative ways that he's working out and what he's doing to stay busy and how the team is staying united. Um, I think he's a great, great young man. I think his future is very bright and he is a, uh, a great receiving threat for the Chicago bears. And also during the interview, he talked about his relationship with uh, bears as a right now bears starting QB Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, just in case those folks missed the interview. Talk to us uh, about how Robinson's relationship with Trubisky has been throughout this uh, time during quarantine. He uh, he's very confident in Mitch. You know, he he. We, I asked him about the thoughts on Nick coming to the quarterback room and Mitch, and he's very confident in Mitch. He's supportive of Mitch, but he's also not you know discrediting Nick Foles or anything like that. But mm -hmm. it was interesting to hear him talk about um, the work that he's doing with Mitch. Um, he works out together with him four times a week. Um, which is promising. And Matt Nagy talked about that as well, that they, they're running routes, they're figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And I think that's something that you need to do because they're not having their regular OTAs. And if Mitch doesn't want to lose his quarterback job, and if it is his position to lose, he's got to work with his receivers, right? And I think they've done a good job mm -hmm. of being creative um, and staying engaged during this, this entire time. But yeah, Robinson speaks highly of him. You got to show support because if Mitch doesn't feel that support from the guys that are catching his passes, it's going to be bad news for the Bears offense. So it was nice to hear him, you know, show his support for Mitch, but also understand that Nick Foles is now part of this quarterback room and it could change the, the dialogue. But Allen was adamant about the fact that the off, he thinks the offense is where it needs to be. They need to work out some kinks, but he thinks they have the right tools. So we'll see come fall. How do you think that all the Bears, not, not just the Bears, but all the teams are going to have to adjust to this because they haven't had OTAs, they haven't had like no rookie minicamps or anything like that. They've actually just opened up all, all the practice facilities. I don't know what the, the Bears story is or, the, or, or is Hall's Hall going to be open? Just uh, coaches can go. Just yeah. coaches, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a, a lot of them, you're not even sure how many will actually go um, yet because, what I mean, they can figure it out. They can do their work from home. But it's it's a it's a challenging time for the NFL because they, they know where the season at. Luckily time is on their side because they have a couple months and then hopefully everything can go according to schedule, but they're juggling a lot. They're juggling tough conversations about equality, not to mention COVID-19. Danny Trevathan was adamant on the zoom calls this week about 
yes, we need to talk about racial equality goes, I'm also afraid of COVID still. And I think that's a very real fear for these guys because it's a very physical sport, as we all know, and training camp is usually in July. So it's not that far off. And it'll be interesting to see how they maneuver. They've done a good job virtually teaching and things like that and all the, the workouts that they can do at home and things like that. But they're definitely behind. And I feel for the rookies because that they need that on-field work. You can study a playbook all you want. You can Zoom call with your position coach hours on end, but you need to be on the field. So I think it's going to be the toughest for the rookies that are coming in trying to make the 53-man roster come fall. Yeah, staying with the Bears quarterback situation, uh, Kayla, I know you conducted another interview with Chicago's very young former NFL QB, Donovan McNabb, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting that uh, uh, when you asked him the question about the Foles Trubisky situation, he said that there was a no, that, that he doesn't see it as a, a quarterback controversy. Even though I know this will be your first year covering in Bears, but from the outside looking at, uh, do you think that, uh, that uh, what do you think about McNabb's answers? Because I, I think that there's potential that it could be a quarterback controversy. When someone says there isn't going to be a controversy, there, there's nothing to see here. There's always the opposite. What are your yeah. thoughts about his answer? Exactly, exactly. I was surprised he said that. And, like, I don't think maybe controversy, is, maybe he was thinking it won't be. But there will for sure be a competition. I, I mean, there's no question. I think I couldn't even say right now who's going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm not sure Matt Nagy or the Bears offensive coordinator, all of them know who the Bears starting quarterback will be. And it may take – a couple weeks into the season, preseason, before they even decide because they can't see these guys on the field. So I think the competition is very real. It'll be interesting to see. We were supposed to hear from Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles this week. That got postponed to a later date sometime this month. But it'll be interesting to see where Mitch's head is at about Nick Foles coming in. Of course, you want to be a confident quarterback. You know you maybe didn't have the year that you wanted, and now they're bringing somebody else in. It, it, it messes with your psyche. So it was interesting McNabb's take on it. Um, he did say, you know, it was Mitch's job to lose. I think it may be a little equal to Mitch's job to win because especially without these OTAs and field work, it's going to come down to game time and they're going to have to face defenses before Nagy can really assess these quarterbacks. And if they don't want to wait around for Mitch to go continue to struggle like he has in the past, I think Nick Foles will be getting – under center sooner rather than later. About the, the, the defense for a second, Hicks was gone for most of the year. They were able to sign Robert Quinn. How good do you think the Bears defense can be? Can they be, you know, they were kind of middle of the road last year. Can they be back to that top five defense they were a couple of years ago? I think so. I think so. And Hicks was, you know, adamant about, he feels like he hasn't played football in forever. And if there's anything that makes an athlete hungry, for competition, especially a defensive player, it's not playing. And mm -hmm. now that they've gone, he went through an injury and then the quarantine and all of this stuff has happened. So I think they have the chance to be a really good defense. I think their offense is where everyone's going to kind of pay attention to just because of the quarterback situation. But this defense should be should be really well. And I think I think the Robert Quinn move was a good one. Um, I think they should be set there. Nagy talked about the battles he wants to see on defense are on in the safety position and the cornerback position. So as far as secondary, I don't think that's a set of stone and that maybe is, is not as strong as the other parts of their defense. But like you said, I think they should be in pretty good shape moving forward. As we talked about with the uh, NFL facilities uh, opening up this weekend as uh, of this recording, uh, Caitlin, me and Lakina have been talking about how, how training camps 
uh, is going to be important now more than ever. In the preseason, it's going to be important now more than ever. I want to get your thoughts on that because, you know, the players have been separated, confided into their homes during this pandemic. Uh, talk to us from your standpoint of how important the preseason and training camp is going to be. It, uh, it looks like it's going to be just about another season before we hit September. Yeah, it, it will be. And it'll be interesting to see, I think, training camp and preseason, we'll figure out real quick who was working out during the quarantine and who wasn't working out oh, during yeah. the quarantine. And I think that's something that if guys haven't started thinking about that already, they should because it's easy, you know, in March and you're just kind of relaxing and then all of a sudden April comes and you're still not that motivated. Okay, well, now we're, we're in June um, and your work or lack of work is going to show and training camp, like you said, will be huge because it levels the playing field for a lot of guys, especially these rookies and, and new players that are coming to the team, free agents that are coming to the team. It'll be interesting to t see how they can bring them all together. And of course, in the back of everyone's mind will be the safety and health and concern of these players. So I think it'll be, it'll be a training camp and preseason like no one has ever seen before. And one that, I mean, the, usually preseason people are like, oh, I'll watch a couple games. I'll watch a quarter or two. I think all eyes are going to be nonstop as soon as these games oh, start. Yeah. Um, rightfully so, because we all want sports back. But um, I think we're going to see who used their quarantine time wisely and uh, who watched too much Netflix during it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be, it'll be very telling. That's for sure. Yes. In, in, that, in that sense. So I want to, I kind of want to switch gears here and, you know, for a little bit and talk about the NBA because the NBA, you know, came out, you know, the NBA is back as, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of are saying that. And, you know, 22 teams have been invited to do kind of like a, a March Madness style kind of thing. Unfortunately, the Bulls will not be there, which is, mm -hmm. which uh, said, I think we could all agree that that was actually you know, pretty smart, pretty <laughs> yeah. smart move. So how, how do you think with, the, with this new adjustment? Because you know, it was unanimous. Oh, well, actually, Portland was actually mm -hmm. the only team that did not go for this, which is weird because they would actually be invited in this scenario. So. How do you think the adjustment is for, you know, the, the NBA when it's coming back? You know, it's not going to come back till July, but how do you think you know, assess of what's going to happen here with this new sort of like tourney style, you know, tournament, if you will? I think it'll be fun. And I have to give credit to the NBA and Adam Silver and the Board of Governors, because from the minute that COVID became a legitimate concern, they were kind of the pioneers, right, for how to like shut down mm -hmm. the season and handle things. And then when it became to how are we going to figure out this season, they were right on the ball with, okay, this is the format. This is where we're going to play. This is how we're going to keep our players safe. And I mean, baseball can't get their act together. So I think the NBA continues to be a pioneer for, for other leagues. And I think it'll be fun to watch. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the timeline of things because the teams that weren't invited, like the Bulls, will now have eight months off before the next season, whereas teams that play until game seven of the finals – they're not gonna. They're just gonna go right into the next season. Um, so it's interesting to watch the timeline. I think it'll be fun. I think these guys are gonna be more than ready to just gear up and play and fight for a title. Um, obviously, I'm I'm pulling for the Bucks just because I'm from there, and I think they have a legitimate chance to win it all. But again, it it kind of level. You know, there's like this level playing field, and you're not sure who's been working together, who hasn't been working together. But uh, I have to commend Ad Adam Silver and the NBA for figuring it out, figuring out how to do it safely. And at Disney World, it just, like, makes it even more fun and exciting and kind of makes you – takes you back to, like, those 
childhood tournament you, you know weekends you had or you watched where it's just a bunch of guys playing pickup basketball and now we'll get to watch that um and on a large scale Kaylin, we uh, me and Lakin have been talking about on this show for the last few weeks that uh, the eBay has been uh talking and behind closed doors for the last couple of years about a playing in tournament or reformatting the playoffs all together and I've been saying on the show the last couple of weeks that just for this year, because we're on unprecedented waters, that you can try this 1 through 16 reseeding of the tournament. And I, I think as uh, long as we don't have any major injuries to any of the big-time stars, I think this could work out for this year. Now, will it be the plan moving forward? I'm not sure. But we all know this is – at least we know that the NHL will get on them later mm -hmm. in, in baseball. We're, th those three uh, leagues will not have any fans in the stands. At least with the NBA, you're going to have record number of viewers watching because they cannot attend these games. But uh, the NBA has been more progressive in uh, trying out new ideas. Not all of them are going to work, but at least they're thinking about it and taking some steps ahead. I think at least for this year, it's a great idea. I know they had the, the playing tournament, but reseeding 1 through 16, I think is great. As uh, I, I mentioned, that you know, initially we thought that ESPN and Turner wouldn't sign on to this, but if it turns out better than what we thought, this may be the way for the future. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it could be. I think it's, it, especially like you said, if it does work out and anyone that complains about the seating or the play-in and, you know, well, where we were at in the season, if you weren't where you were going to be by March of the NBA season, you got to look at your team and you got to look at yourselves. Like we don't deserve mm -hmm. to be seated in this position. We didn't deserve to be invited to this kind of tournament. So I think it, it shows and it kind of creates this because people joke like, well, the first half of the NBA season really doesn't matter. Well, that may change now moving forward and people may look at games differently and scheduling differently if they want to be a legitimate contender when it comes to later in the season. And I think this kind of allows for that. But um, I'm excited about it. It may change the future. It may go right back to way, the way it is. Um, my hope is that everyone can stay healthy and they can do it safely. Um, and that it does work because I think a lot of like ideas and brainstorming and work has gone in behind the scenes. And like you said, talks behind closed doors about this and, and just showing that they want to make the effort and they want to figure it out and that all these teams are on board speaks volumes for the way that league operates. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how they set up these seedings because especially with those last six teams that would get in, I, I know, I know that I know there's like what eight games. I think those six teams are going to play mm -hmm. to get into the tournament. So I, I want to know how that's going to work out too. Because what if you know, heaven forbid, that maybe Portland. I don't know how they're going to go by conference or anything. But what if Portland upsets your Bucks, Caitlin? Just I know. <laughs> just that, that, that's like that's like the one fear. And like Washington of all teams can actually have a chance to go into the NBA finals. So oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just pointing out I'm just pointing out. The, there, there, uh, that's, that's a very re like real fear I'm sure fans like especially are like wait a minute like and especially because these guys haven't played together in so long it's going to exactly. take one random slip up and then they're knocked out of the playoffs so yeah I don't think it's a perfect system by any means but it will it will definitely put all eyes on it and it'll definitely be a nerve-wracking experience for those who think their team's headed to the NBA finals I'm just saying, Sid. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know I freaked Sid out for a second there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what we do. We put things out there that make sense. We make you think. Uh, Kaylin Sharkey, <laughs> Fox 32, Chicago sports anchor and reporter, joining us right here on Second City Sports Zoom style. And Kaylin, let's uh, go to baseball real quick. 
uh, I, I, I'm, excuse me for my tone of voice. I'm not yelling at you, but I just need to say this. Uh, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, so along with Lakina. The owners have been picking the fight with the Players Association. Oh, uh, you want to play 114 games? The players, oh, we want to go with 81. Oh, we can't divide this money up right. We can't do this, can't do that. It's just like, people, can you stop, especially to the owners, stop taking the fight in the media. Keep your stuff behind closed doors and get a deal done. Can we do that, please? What's your uh, thoughts? I totally agree. I think it's been frustrating to follow baseball, and it's frustrating when people ask, like, oh, do you think? I'm like, I don't know what the heck they're doing. Like, I don't even think they know what they're doing at this point. And it's so frustrating because at the end, it's sad and unfortunate because if baseball is not played, which I think it will, but maybe like 50 games, they'll agree on some random number in between. But to me, it's like you hope that somebody doesn't come out a villain, right? You know, is it going to be the owners that everyone's going to? And I get it. The owners have, they have revenue that they worry about and they have bills they need to pay and there's everyone looks at it a money battle and it is but and I don't want the players to become the villain villains because yes you may make this amount of money and people can't fathom making that amount of money but when you take it back 75 percent and you live this lifestyle and now you can't keep up with your lifestyle because you're not making money it's just this battle back and forth and it is unfortunate I think they need to just decide on a number of games quit telling us or whoever's giving, who's ever leaking this, like you said, whoever's leaking these sources, <laughs> like, okay, now they're going to play this and they're going to play this because I feel like the baseball saga has gone on too long and they're running out of time. Like, that is my thing. It's mm -hmm. like, it's June and you guys have no idea what you're doing yet. You don't know how you're going to play things and how many games you're going to play. And if your players aren't on board, sorry, you're not going to have a season. So yeah. I think they need to get their act together and quickly because they're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I said this last week on the show that, if baseball should should not uh, agree uh, to whatever and, and and omit this 2020 season, it, should they not play at all? I don't think it's going to be as bad as 1994, but it could get ugly because the times that we are in in our country, you know, a quarter of our our citizens are without jobs, and they uh, is millionaires fighting with billionaires. It's just a uh, bad optics, and we well heard and saw what Tampa Bay Rays starting pitcher Blake Snell said. I know he has to look out for himself, but it was just bad optics putting down in public. He wasn't misquoted. He willingly put it out there. But I think it's just bad PR for baseball. You have to wait a whole year to uh, to play in 2021. Should that happen? And number two, you have the collective bargaining agreement that's up at the end of next season. So it sets a bad precedent. Yeah, it's a, it's, it'll be a bad look. And, and especially, like you said, the state of the country. And, yes, people say there's bigger – battles to fight and there certainly are and sports is not high on that list but sports brings mm -hmm. people together right and sports is yes. something that eases the mind of people of all different backgrounds and races and cultures and I think that's what's beautiful about sports in general so for baseball to kind of rob us of that during all of this that's going on in this country in this world it would be a shame for sure I, I, yeah, I, I'm hoping that they can get together. If it was just like 50 or 60, 60 games, I mean, just, just, just agree on something because this, this, this stand grandstanding that's going on on both sides, especially after what Tom Ricketts said, some of his comments, I mean, that nobody really wants to hear it. I mean, people want, mm -hmm. people want baseball, people want sports and 
you know, it looks like NBA is getting it together. You know, the NHL, you know, they got their mm-hmm. stuff together. We'll talk about them. You know, we'll talk about them in a, in a bit. I know it said it was, it was itching to talk some hockey, but, <laughs> but oh yeah, but uh, but the the baseball aspect of it, it's just it's just terrible. I mean, people have very short attention spans, and unfortunately, if they don't get a season, I'm not gonna say that you know they're gonna be an afterthought, but. Listen, they've been having trouble with the uh, ratings and you know attendance. Mm-hmm. It might be a big issue here. I don't think it'll be America's favorite pastime anymore. <laughs> Baseball no. drops the ball. Like I think it was already, like you said, it was already losing steam. And if they can't get their act together when we need them, so to speak, it, it'll be it'll be bad news for baseball. Yeah, uh, uh, so let's talk that hockey. <laughs> let's do some hockey. hockey fan you, uh, I don't know how big of a fan of hockey, of the game of hockey you are, Caitlin, but of course the NHL, well, I think it was the first of the three major, four major uh, mm-hmm. sports, pro sports leagues to actually announce a plan. And for once, it looked like they were organized. Thank you, Commissioner Gary Bettman. But um, <laughs> I, want, I want to get your opinion of this. The 2014 tournament is not the playoffs yet, but uh, yeah, the, the bottom feeding teams that, that – uh, you have to qualify, which includes our Chicago Blackhawks. And, and, I, and I said this the last couple of weeks. The NHL can grab some new faces here if they market this properly. No, you don't have any fans in the stands, but you have all the Canadian teams in the playoffs. You have, I believe, all of the, all of the original six uh, yeah. teams in there, mm-hmm. including Chicago. So I think this could be something special. Uh, no, like I said, you don't have any fans in the stands. So that that uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs won't have the usual feel like it has been in the past, but I think the NHL can uh, grab something here uh, to draw momentum into next season. It doesn't it doesn't matter who who the uh, winner of the cup is. I want to get your thoughts. Do you think that do you think that the NHL can really take advantage or perhaps uh, grab some new fans along the way? I think absolutely, especially given the format and what teams are involved, and you have some really historic hockey franchises, some big hockey cities that are now part of this and it's exciting for the Chicago Blackhawks I've never covered hockey in my professional career yet because I've been in Wisconsin they obviously didn't have an NHL team Um, but I think it is exciting and like you said great cities great fan bases who won't be able to be there but just like NASCAR saw the influx in people watching just because it's something to Mm -hmm. watch and it's something to be a part of and it's sports right and Mm -hmm. I think hockey has an opportunity to really capitalize on TV viewership and even merchandising because people can't be finding creative ways to engage the fans that, yeah, obviously you're going to miss that atmosphere and there's nothing like that in the middle of the Stanley cup finals. But I think it was smart the way they did their format. I think it's smart that they're using these two hub cities, whatever cities those end up being. Um, And again, it was nice to see a league come together, figure out a plan and give something to the fans and to the players um, especially because playoff hockey is just a special beast in itself. So I think yes. a, lot, a yes. lot of people will be looking forward to that. And people that haven't experienced playoff hockey or have a team they cheer for, it'll be fun to see which bandwagons they jump on, who they end up mm. cheering for, why they end up cheering for those certain teams. So I think a lot – NHL has a huge opportunity, like you mentioned. Yeah, I, and I always tell people all the time they're uh, uh, casual hockey fans or haven't watched hockey before – I've attended uh, three Stanley Cup playoff games in my life. All of them been Blackhawks, including the Mary Holzer game uh, against Nashville in 2010 in game five. That was the best hockey game I ever went to. But with that being said, 
I, I tell people all the time, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's nothing like it. Unless it's your team, you can enjoy fully. When it's your team, you always on edge. and it's Blood pressure medicine. Something can happen at any time. You can play a great game and your team still loses. All. And there's nothing like it. And those players do earn all 16 of those victories for, for the right to Lord Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I'm excited to cover hockey. Um, even yeah. though I won't be able to physically be there, I'm excited mm -hmm. to finally work in a market that has an NHL team. So I'm excited. And the great thing about it is it's wide open. Every yeah. all the teams mm -hmm. that are gonna be in this have a chance mm -hmm. to you know, have a yeah. chance to advance and go to the Stanley Cup and you know, advance to the, to the final. I mean that that's what makes these kind of situations. Yes, it sucks that, you know, this is the sort of thing that we have to do, but at the same time though, you get more teams participating and everyone has a shot. So that they, that that's what makes it even better than that. Yeah, it's gonna that's the coolest part. And I think it'll be fun to see which teams again come out ready to go and which teams are, you know, you can tell they were sputtering a little bit and we'll see. And who knows? The Blackhawks may come and have it all together and all fixed out and figured out and be a serious contender. We can only hope. <laughs> I totally agree. Before we have some fun with you, Caitlin, I want to go back to football and a team that you covered uh, six previous years before you uh, were hired here in Chicago, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this past year in the NFL draft, with their first-round pick, they selected Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Utah State. Listening to uh, fans on the two sports radio stations in Milwaukee, uh, many of those Packers fans were not happily, were not happy and rightfully so. Many of them said they should have taken a defensive end, but most of them said they should have taken a, a stud wide receiver, which a problem that the Packers had for the last couple of years. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when the Packers made their first-round selection, uh, picking up Jordan Love? I, I mean, I was surprised. Um, I'm not surprised they drafted a quarterback uh, because I do think they need one. And they need to start developing one. I was surprised that where they took him. <laughs> and I think that's what caught everybody <laughs> off guard. It was like this, wait a minute, of all the position groups, and it's funny to watch all the mock drafts and, like, everyone guess what they're going to do, and then they come out and they draft this quarterback. Um, mm. I, it's going to be interesting. Again, there's no quarterback controversy in Green Bay. I think a lot of people will love to talk about that at the beginning of the season, but there isn't. It's Aaron Rodgers' team, and it will be for hopefully a, a longer a period of time, but it will change Aaron Rodgers' mindset, and he was pretty vocal about it at, at the fact that you know, now he don't know, he doesn't know if he'll stay in Green Bay forever. And that was something that he was planning on doing. And now, well, they made it clear, like, you're maybe not our future for the the long run. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I still think they needed an offensive weapon. But if they didn't think a receiver could come in at that position in the draft, if they don't, if they didn't think the receiver that they could get could come in and make it an immediate impact, I think that's why they didn't do it. They don't need a receiver just to bring on who can't go in and play right now. Um, so they obviously have faith in their receivers. I question that a little bit because outside of Devontae Adams, I think there's some serious, it drops off pretty quickly. Um, but they must have faith in them. And it was, it was fun to watch to not be a part of that beat anymore. It was fun to watch the reaction and Twitter and social media just go bananas because <laughs> I got so many calls and texts like, what are they doing? And I'm like, hey, I'm in Chicago. Like, I am not worried about this anymore. <laughs> I do not want to talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore. It was, it, was so, it was pretty funny and humorous at the time. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the Bears and Packers will be more evenly matched this year than people expect them to be. 
I want to uh, since you covered uh, since you covered the Packers, of course, the Bears returned to the playoffs a couple of years ago by winning the division over Green Bay. Uh, do the Packers fans out there still take the Bears seriously, even though the Bears finished at eight and eight last year? Me personally, I said seventy nine, but that's a whole other issue. But <laughs> do, the Packers, do the Packers fans still take the Bears uh, seriously, or do they just roll their eyes and and uh, worry about their own thing? They won't admit that they take the Bears seriously. They'll be like, oh, it's the Bears, it's the Bears, it's the Bears. But when those games come around, I think it's – I mean, anytime you play in a divisional opponent, you don't know because you, you're so familiar with the two teams. Yeah. Obviously, there's a big drop-off with some teams like the Lions and things like that. But when it comes to Packers-Bears, Packer fans are going to say, oh, yeah, it's the Bears. We don't worry about them. I know for a fact they're stress-watching those games, and it's just – it's a different dynamic. It's a huge rivalry, and rivalry games can change a lot of things in the middle of the game anyway. So I think they'll start to take them, I think, even this year. It depends on who's running quarterback. Um, but even if Foles proves that he's going to take over and he's pretty good, I think Packer fans will be a little bit more nervous about the, the matchups for sure, especially with the Bears defense. Also, you, you brought up the name of Aaron Rodgers earlier. And uh, uh, throughout the, the national media and, and certain national uh, sports radio hosts, I'm not going to call that person out, but you probably kind of know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Rogers is perceived to be this distant guy, this stoic guy. and he, uh, he, I'm not going to say he doesn't care, but he's kind of standoffish in the sense of, in your dealings with him as, as a reporter for the last six years in Milwaukee, what was your relationship with Aaron Rodgers like? I, I don't think he's standoffish. I think he's just very protected, right? He's protective of the reputation he's built. He's protective of the Green Bay Packers organization, the franchise, his teammates. Um, and I think when you get to a certain level like he has, there's, I mean, you have to, you're, you're going to act a certain way, right? Because there's all these eyes mm -hmm. on you all the time. And I, I think he's a, he's a respectful quarterback, Um there's times he gets testy, but who doesn't? And I've always chalked that up to like, how would I be? You know what I mean? Like everything you say is scrutinized constantly. Um, I think he's a good leader. Um, I think his personality maybe sometimes comes off as cold or standoffish, but I don't think he necessarily intends to do so. He's very, he's a brilliant man. Um, he's very, he's very cognizant of who's asking what, who wrote what, who said what he knows. Even if he's not calling you by your name, he knows exactly who you are, who you work for. Um, he's very mindful of things like that. So he's maybe not the most warm and fuzzy quarterback I've ever been around and seen and heard, but um, I do respect him for what he does. And I think, and I hope he gets another Super Bowl ring. And I hope that, you know, his career goes to where it, uh -oh. I think he cares really hard for it. not just himself, but his team. Did I lose me? No, just for just for no, a second. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about Giannis though? I mean, what was he like? I mean, he's kind of like the total opposite. Very, very personable. Very open. You know, what 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 were you dealing with Giannis like? He's great. He's one of my favorites. Uh, we always joke like we had the three MVPs. We had Christian Yelich. We had Giannis, and then of course Aaron Rodgers. And Giannis is just—it's been fun to watch him grow up and grow into this superstar that he's become, but also stay his same quirky, funny, sometimes says off the mark things that you're like, did he just say that? Like, it's <laughs> funny, you know, and it's funny and it's an innocent way. He's never disrespectful. He, he's another one that works his butt off to where he, to, to get to where he's been. And um, it's fun now to watch him be a young dad and things that he posts on social media. Um, but he is one of my favorites. He is a, 
a class act all the way. And I hope that, I hope for the city of Milwaukee, he stays there for a very long time um, because he changed not only a franchise, but growing up in Milwaukee and he changed the city and it was never a basketball city and no one ever cared. And I don't think people in Milwaukee will never be able to thank him enough for kind of making it a basketball city and making it relevant again. And uh, yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites and he's hilarious. Like even when he's not trying to be, he's a hilarious guy. <laughs> yeah, as you say, Kaylin, since you're uh, uh, growing up in Milwaukee, we'll get to your background later. But Milwaukee has really had a rich history of uh, success in basketball, of course, with Lou Alcindor, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, brought that franchise's first and only championship. And, of course, you had the teams in the 80s with Terry Cummings and uh, now Hall of Famer Sidney Moncrief. And they, they fell off for a while. And then George Carl uh, came in uh, towards the late 90s and early 2000s. They had a competitive team for a while with uh, Big Dog Glenn Robinson and Ray Allen, who's one of the best shooters in his generation. And then they kind of fell off again. They had Michael Red, but now they're back with Giannis. So I, I think, as you said, they don't uh, get the credit that they deserve. Uh, and people on the outside may not know. You could probably speak to this more than we can, but they almost lost their franchise if they don't have that new arena, which they play in now and fights her form. So I think you bring up an interesting point. I just want to uh, ask you before we move on, how is that new arena? I haven't visited it yet, but I, I remember going to a game at the old Bradley Center back in the day with the Bulls and the Bugs in, during the NBA playoffs. That was 1990. That was a beautiful arena for what it was at that time. But how's the new five serve arena? Uh, uh, what can you tell us about that new arena? At least on TV, I love it. It's very nice. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's It's beautiful. It's that whole area that they kind of revamped because – I mean, you go down to the Bradley Center, but there wasn't much around there. And now they've built right. up this whole deer district, they call it. And it was so fun during the Eastern Conference Finals to have this huge plaza packed full of fans and big screens. So the fans that couldn't get into the arena were outside. And it was just this awesome environment. And yeah, Pfizer Forum is beautiful, beautiful facilities. Um, I love the setup. I think it's been great. And because I've covered now um, multiple playoff games in there, I think it gets loud. The, the energy is intense. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a fun place to play. It was desperately needed for the city. So I think a lot of people are grateful for, again, it, it boosted not just the basketball scene, but the uh, economic scene of Milwaukee and those bars that were dead in the water. Um, so it's been fun. But, yeah, definitely go. I, I definitely tell people to go check it out. Go catch a game there. Even concerts are great there. Shows are great there. It's a great addition to the city. Now, I know you've been only been here a couple of months, Caitlin, but, you know, do you see any, like, big contrast between Milwaukee and Chicago where it's the, the fans and sporting-wise, you know, sort of the, the atmosphere? Do you see any difference? I see. I I'm, Unfortunately, I haven't witnessed any, game, like, fans at games yet, but I think one of the reasons I wanted to come to Chicago was because I knew that they're super passionate about their sports. And, uh, sorry about that, um, super <laughs> passionate about their sports, and it's, awesome to go because Wisconsin is as well across the board um so I'm excited to experience Chicago fans um because I've always been on the other side of it right so it's like I know that they're a great rivalry I know that they are passionate and fun um and I've always thought, thought that the two fan bases were always respectful so I'm excited to see it on a scale when we're back to sports and yeah because there's nothing better than a passionate sports city that's why people you know, you talk about, well, where do you want to work? Do you want to go? Like my family joke with me, like, why are you going to a cold city? I go, because like some of the warm cities could care less about sports and that's not fun. Right. I, there you I, go. I, yep. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll put on a winter coat if I get a good fan base. <laughs> <laughs> 
I always I always tell people too, uh, uh, Milwaukee. Like I said, I've been there a couple of times for a Bulls and Bucks game. I was there with uh, with one of my best buddies. He's a Cubs fan. I'm not, but I went with him and uh, to our game many years ago. It was the Cubs and Brewers in Miller Park and uh, M- Milwaukee. Uh, it's it's a northern suburb of Chicago. Basically, and yeah. May, uh, may well know, uh, especially Cubs fans. You can't get a ticket in in Chicago to go to Wrigley Field. Those Cubs fans jam up to go uh, to go to Milwaukee's Miller Park. And I tell people this all the time. Miller Park is a great ballpark, great atmosphere, great people. So your Wisconsin folks are very nice. Uh, Kayla, I just want to let you know that. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I, totally. And, and like, like I said, I, I traveled, uh, been to a few uh, ballparks, not as much as I should, but I've been to a few ballparks and arenas outside the Chicagoland area. Miller Park is, uh, was one of my favorites. And, and I just want to tell people, if you can elaborate on that, what about Miller Park? Yeah, Miller Park is, it's, it's kind of like its own compound, right? It doesn't have that Wrigley yeah. like neighborhood vibe, but it is such a beautiful park. Obviously, people love to tailgate and party around there which is an experience of its own Mm -hmm. and it's always been fun for me to I've gone to Cubs Brewers games as a fan and I've worked them um and there's always that you know that he all the Cubs fans take over Miller Park and they do (laughs) they they always (laughs) do. I was going to ask you about that did you have a problem with that as as a not as a reporter but as a, a native of Wisconsin Wisconsin, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, very, sal- we're very salty about it, um, okay. <laughs> but we understand it is what it is, and I know Brewers fans that sell their tickets to Cubs fans, so don't, they, you know, they plead like, oh, they take over, I'm like, yeah, you sold your tickets, because you know you get good money for them. <laughs> no, it all makes sense now. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some people in trouble, they're gonna be like, I never did that, I know you did that, and that's why they're getting those tickets, but... <laughs> Um, it's, it's fun. And, you know, there's always those isolated incidents of fans getting, you know, in each other's faces. But I think genuinely they've just enjoyed coming to Miller Park. We're happy to have them. If they want to spend money in our city, come on up. Let's do it. Um, and I think Brewers Cubs to me is like one of those games that you circle and you're like, okay, I want to be working that game. I want to attend that game. Um, and Miller Park is just such a great venue. Um, I've had a lot of great memories in Miller Park. So I will, I look forward to, again, having this crossover because I'll still get to go to the, some of those places with the teams that I cover here now. So, Well, well don't worry. Found, well, don't worry because yeah, they used to, well, you know, Cubs and White Sox fans were in the Brewers were in the AL. Yeah. They used to do that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> they used to do that too. So don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad because okay. I, I know, I listen, my dad, you know, my late father, he knew folks that sold tickets to him, you know, for both the Brewers, White Sox, and Brewers Cubs eventually. So. Don't feel bad. Yeah. All the white Wisconsinites <laughs> out there. Don't feel bad. <laughs> okay, good to know. I, yeah, I found it interesting too, especially when the Blackhawks were going for their third Stanley Cup in 2015. They played Nashville in the first round, and they played the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, during the Stanley Cup final. And, and the fan bases of those two cities, they were so upset, quote unquote, that the Blackhawks fans. Uh, uh, raided their stadium. I said, first of all, you sold your tickets to the public. They yep. have the right to buy them. And then now mm-hmm. you want to try to ban them. As my as my uh, radio partner on the Dean Davis show, which I hope you join our show in the future, uh, Kenneth Davis always says this, if for teams to do something like that, you must not like money. Because any fan yep. base that coming in out of town, if you want to ban them from, quote, unquote, taking over your town, taking over your arena, you yep. must not like money. Right, right. And that's what I always thought. I mean, yeah, you want to keep your certain fan bases out of the stadium. I get it. But at the end of the day, like, Mm -hmm. if you can, they're going to, Cubs fans are going to come and spend a ton of money at at the, at parks like that. And like you said, so 
I mean, bring it on. They're going to stay in the hotels. They're going to, you know, spend money in the bars and they're going to spend money at the park it's, itself. So I'm someone that's like, bring it on. It's, it's fun. I mean, I, I'm sure people get annoyed and it does when you're sitting in the stands and you're here and let's go cubbies in the, in the ninth inning and you've heard it for the previous eight, you're getting like, okay, that's enough, but it's a, it's a fun experience. Kaylin Sharkey of Fox 32 Chicago Sports Anchor and reporter mm-hmm. joining us right here on Sega City Sports Zoom style along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. All right, Kaylin, let's have some fun here while we have some time with you left. Who is Kaylin Sharkey? We know you from Wisconsin. Um, where were, who were some of your favorite athlete teams growing up and where were some of your uh, favorite games to attend as uh, growing up as a child or as a young adult before we uh, joined this business? Yeah, um, I mean, I've loved sports since I was a little kid. Um, I've watched a ton. I've played a ton. It's I grew up, obviously, a Packer fan, Brewers fan, Bucks fan. And it, it, that was the biggest – when I took the job in Chicago, my family and friends let me have it, that I was not going to be covering those teams <laughs> oh, <no>. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, here we go. Um, it, it's I, – I mean, there's games I remember going to the Bradley Center and just – I mean – there's so many moments. I, I was a big Dwayne Wade fan um, as a child because he went to, obviously, went, went to Marquette. He, I remember I would rock the Dwayne Wade Heat jersey when they played the Bucks because I just, like, loved him so much. Um, mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade is one of my favorites for sure. Brett Favre, obviously, I was wearing a number four jersey like every other kid in Wisconsin for a very <laughs> long time. Um, but it's, it's fun to – I'm now excited to, like, move on because when, you, when you're a fan of teams and then you start covering teams, your fandom changes. And I tell people that all the time. Like, it's not the same. Like, you're, right. you, want, you, want, you want them to do well because you want to cover cool events, right? And it's fun to cover yeah. a team of that course. wins games. But it's just you see athletes in different lights and you have different interactions with them. So now I'm excited to, like, come to Chicago and just get a new experience and things like that. But growing up in Wisconsin, it's a great sports state. Um, yeah, we get, we get the cheese head you know, crap all the time. And I love it. I think it's great. And that's, I'm definitely a Wisconsin girl for sure. Well, well, well you'll, you'll love it here. Uh, Caitlin, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's a fun, hopefully we'll be covering some championship teams here. Yes. Eventually. Let's <laughs> hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hope so. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the sports that you played uh, throughout grammar school and high school and even college? Um, I didn't play in college. I just, Played for fun. Um, I was never that good at any sport, but I played basketball and volleyball. That's all of us, so don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. That's what I tell. I'm like, I couldn't be a D1 athlete, so I started interviewing them in college, and that's how I got my job. So there um, you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. That. Yeah. So um, basketball, volleyball are my two main ones. I still like to, you know, I I golf now, but I I still love to like go shoot around and uh, play basketball and volleyball when I can in my free time. So yeah, how's your golf game? It's okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm not great, but I'm like, I'm not sure how many people think they're like great at golf. Um, my thing is like, I don't get out. I'm making a conscious effort now, especially that everything that's going on to golf more because mm-hmm. I'm like, right. well, what else am I going to do? Um, and it's a great activity. So I always chalk it up to like, I could be better if I golfed more. I don't know if that's BS or not. Like, I, I just, I just, I just like to tell myself that like, I'd be a better golfer if I just golfed more, but who knows? <laughs> Hey, oh. the most important thing is the first step. So at least you took the first step. There's yeah, more I than a lot of people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my like, gosh. You know? Oh, I, I love it. Um, uh, I was switching gear a little, just a little bit right quick now that we still have you to cover like the college aspect of all this because we saw that in Oklahoma State linebacker tested po- football 
football player mm-hmm. tested positive for the COVID. And then it came out earlier this week that like, what, five or six Alabama players tested positive mm-hmm. for COVID. So I, I know you went to Milwaukee, so they, they, they don't have a football mm-hmm. team. But how do you think, you know, colleges is going to like, you know, adjust to all this? Because especially with the fall sports, I mean, yes, some, yes, some schools have said, you know, what, we're going to do in-person you know, mm-hmm. have uh, students on campus, have you know, players play. So how do you think the college is going to adjust to all this? College is interesting because some states, I mean, just the difference in how states can operate, because the difference in the state of Illinois versus the state of Alabama, like, are, are math, like, very different. So I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the hardest part. It's been interesting to me to see how aggressive college sports have been on getting their players back in facilities and back on campuses. Not sure I necessarily agree with that um, because they're being so aggressive. And at the end of the day, like, okay, are you risking the actual health, like you said, of these kids to get them to play a sport? And I don't know. So I'm a little, I'm not, I'm not big up on college on the way they're operating things right now, but I understand. And it's going to be interesting to see because like, what, what is the big 10? What are these conferences going to do? Because big 10, some of these teams can't even get together. So how are they going to work that out? How are they going to figure that out? You can't just leave some teams out. of. I, I don't know. Maybe you can, if there's money to be made, which that's, it always comes down to the money that needs to be made. Yeah. But I don't know if some teams can't be part of the, the conference, it just changes the whole dynamic. Is the SEC going to be all good and the PAC 12 going to be all good. And then the big 10 is just sitting here like, all right, well, we can't even get together. I don't know. Hmm. We, and that's been our talking points on this show for the last uh, several weeks, Caitlin, that, that uh, we used the University of Michigan. They seat 110,000 at the big house. And uh, I think we can all agree that we're not going to see that come the fall should, they, should college football start, start on time. If you see any fans, they'll probably be a quarter of that, not, may, maybe half, but probably a quarter of that. And of course, uh, the Ohio State University came out a couple weeks ago and they had all these models because the horseshoe seats 80,000 people. Uh, it's safe to say we're not going to see that. You, uh, it was a one model that said they can, you could have 25,000 in there. Another model said you could have 40,000 in there. I wanted to get your opinion. Should college football start on time? Do, we, do you think that we'll see fans in, inside these stadiums at all? And what do you see uh, about tailgating? Because we all know tailgating in itself is an event. People socialize and, and trust me, social distancing does not exist during tailgating. So I want to get your thoughts right. on that about college football in the fall. Well, that's what's interesting about college football because it's more of an experience going to the game. Whether, I mean, whether these kids care about football or not, they're still going to go to the, st- the stadium. And that's a big revenue mm-hmm. source for these, these programs. It's not so mm-hmm. much, yes, there's TV contracts that are going to make money that way. But a lot of it is, like you said, packing 80,000 people in a stadium and tailgating and the experience and, you know, the whole day that you turn it into like this social event, whereas other sports leagues, people go to a game to go to a game they want to watch because they're paying Mm -hmm. a lot of money for the ticket. It's a totally different vibe, uh, at least in my opinion. But so, I mean, we're not going to see those big crowds anymore. I think some stadiums will be maybe in Texas will be like, all right, we're going to let 50,000 in or we're going to... figure out a way to do it I don't think it's necessarily a safe call this year especially because they've canceled so many other random things like festivals and things like that I don't know if it mm-hmm. makes sense to invite 50,000 people then to, in to watch a football game because like you mm-hmm. said there's no social distancing like even if you like space out their seating and things like that you, they're going to be tailgating they're going to be in mm-hmm. concession stand lines they're going to be in restroom lines so I don't think I mean you either have to go you can limit the number but I think it's still 
maybe not a smart move to do this year, but I think college athletics is going to do what they're going to want. They're going to do regardless. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, especially in yeah, especially in the SEC where Alabama exactly. called the Alabama Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been listening to them the last few weeks. Uh, short of a natural disaster, they want to do what they want to do. Like we're gonna play, even if it's two people exactly. or two million people yeah. in there, we're gonna do what we want to do. And yada yada yada. I'm like, okay, we'll see what happens. We'll see yeah, what happens. that's that's the SEC in a nutshell. I feel like they just yep. do what they want. Yep, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, like like you guys said, I mean, the SEC, you know, they're going to do what they want. The Pac-12 has kind of come out and said, you know what, maybe we could probably do it. Maybe we can do most of, most of the, the teams can do normally. And also the, the Big Ten, I mean, most half the schools probably can't even really do anything right now. So that, that, that's going to be the whole thing that's going to kind of like manifest. I mean, it's, what about the other, the non-Power 5 conferences? I mean, that whole right. thing is just going to be, mm-hmm. everything's going to be that- kind of in the chaos. Yeah, and doesn't no one, no one's gonna care, and that's what's unfortunate for those. And how is it gonna re- affect recruiting? Because like some kids are gonna yeah. be like, I don't want to go play for a team that couldn't even play a game this year, versus teams that are like, Oh, I'm going to the SEC. Like the SEC needs any more help recruiting. Exactly. <laughs> if, they can, right. if they can pull us, if they can pull a season off, I think the other the conferences outside, you said like the Power Five, they're gonna be like, What are we gonna do? We're gonna get no athletes. All our you know our budget's gonna. There's going to be budget cuts. They're going to lose a ton of money. So it's definitely – there's a lot of moving parts in college athletics right now. Mm-hmm. few more minutes with Caitlin Sharkey, Fox 32, Chicago sports anchor reporter right here on Sega City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. Caitlin, I want to get uh, uh, back to your career. Of course, people, when people look at you on television, they see the quote-unquote glints of glamour. You are on camera. You interviewer famous athletes and other important figures in sports. Talk to us about the struggles that you have because people don't talk about that as much, especially uh, with your, uh, you being a woman. I know there were some extra challenges that she had to go through to get to where you are today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not glitz and glamour. I think my, my friends and family start to understand that now because they've listened to me complain mm-hmm. enough. And don't get me wrong, I love my job and I'm incredibly blessed right. and grateful for it every single day. But there are days I'm like, what in the world? Especially like when I first started out when I'm shooting my own stuff, editing my own stuff, carrying 20 pounds of gear through stadiums full of fans and kind of, it's definitely a grind. And I think this business and this industry, as you guys know, is not for the weak hearted. You got to be, you got to love what you do. You got to be passionate about it because there's so much work and behind the scenes stuff that people don't see, right? They see my, my clip of interviewing Donovan McNabb or Alan Robinson. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well that was one part of my day. (laughs) There's, there's a lot of other stuff that went on and even the productions when you travel and you're on the road with teams and you're working 16, 17 hour days. And I mean, just an NFL Sunday for me, you know, like those are, those are 18 hour days out of Fox when you work for Fox, cause you got pregame and you got postgame mm-hmm. and you got the whole game. And so I, I'm, I'm happy with where my career has taken me over the last six, now going into seven years. Um, it's been fun. It's definitely it's highs and lows. You definitely question, um, like how long you're going to grind and sacrifice because I think your personal life maybe sometimes takes a little bit of a hit because you're just so focused on where you're going to be and what you're doing. But, um, it's been a, it's been a great experience. Um, I feel like I've worked really hard at establishing my reputation. I think women in sports have come a very, very long way. I think they still have a long way to go, um, because of the certain roles that they're often, put into like I think women can be more analysts and play-by-play and hosts more or less not just sitting there and 
asking questions to their male colleagues and they're just kind of playing moderator or they're just a sideline reporter. Those roles and those jobs are amazing, um, but I think they, they can, more can be done to expand the, the, a woman's role in sports. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I told, I, no, I was just saying, I totally agree with what you're saying, Kelly, because I think people see like, you know, oh, well, it's super easy, you know, but I think mm -hmm. people don't, people don't see like how, how hard it is, because we know people who are in the industry, so, you know, people don't see how hard it is, how tough it is, how much of a grind it is that, look, you gotta, you know, be mindful and aware, mm -hmm. so. I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad that you know you're you're sharing your your experiences because I don't think that's the thing people don't realize how hard of a job this is. Right, and I think it's something. I mean, there are sports fanatics in this country that may know more than more about sports than I do, or may know every history and date and things like that. But I always tell you know it's always funny with even the guys that I grew up with. They're like, well, I I knew this and you didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, but can you do my job? And I think it takes a certain skill set for broadcasters, radio hosts, TV analysts, all of that. It's like, yes, you have to be knowledgeable, but also how do you present it? Right. Exactly. And I think that's something that people overlook. Um, there's a lot of people that can talk about sports all day long and sports gambling's become a huge thing. And it's just like knowing what your, your strengths are, your weaknesses are, and understanding that everyone has a special skill set and a special talent. Um, and it's fun to watch people kind of rise in those specific areas. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the, the treatment with a female uh, sportscaster compared to your male counterparts. Uh, I, I've talked to female sports broadcasters throughout the years, and they said they felt this pressure to be on point and to, for the lack of a better term, get everything correct because mm -hmm. if a male sportscaster misses a couple of things, they're forgiven. When a female sportscaster misses something, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's there because she's a pretty face. Uh, mm -hmm. She's there because uh, they need to prop her up and this and that and the other. I want them to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that's unfair? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that they're quick to, you, you feel like your your margin of error is even smaller um, because you don't want to be, you just hold yourself to a higher standard because you want people to take you seriously. And it's one of the, I, I always, I try to look at it as a compliment and I know most people do compliment it or trying to be complimentary when they say it, but they'll be like, wow, you actually know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, no kidding. Like, <laughs> like it, 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 but it's something, it's comments like that. Or like you say, you miss, if I misspeak once, I'm on Twitter, like, oh, this dumb broad doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm like, well, would, I mean, it is what it is. You just have to have a tough skin. Um, I think women can continually, I think there needs to be more building each other up and not look exactly. at us as direct competitors because it's, it's like, everyone's fighting for jobs in this industry. It's not like, oh, well, that she just wants, you know, I don't, I don't like the, you can like more than one female sportscaster. And I think that's something that yeah. is often not looked at by, especially um, men that love sports. It's like, why can't you like us all? I mean, we all talk about the same thing. Um, so yeah, I definitely have felt that pressure to don't misspeak, maybe don't share your opinion as much. Um, I've, I've learned over the last couple six, six years to be more opinionated and be more vocal in how I feel about a certain issue, because starting out, it was like, stick to the facts, stick to the stats. Don't mm -hmm. give your opinion on how you think this athlete is or, and you just got to own it. You got to own who you are, um, male or female, and just realize like some people are going to love you and some people are going to hate you regardless. So you just got to keep doing you and be confident in the work and your preparation.
I think you kind of answered my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, I know there's some people that are listening to us right now that's trying to uh, get into the business to do what we do and 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 take take their game to the next level, as the kids would say. So, mm-hmm. what is some for for people that are there listening that want to do what you do or and or do what we do? What advice would you give them? To to network, to make a lot of connections, um, even if you think it's not. I'm not saying network with people that you think can get you a job. Those people are important to network, but also just network mm-hmm. with people in the industry because it's a, it's a big one, but it's also a very small one. And it's been amazing yeah. to see how many connections you're like, oh, I know that person or I worked with that person and the impressions that you can make on people just that way. And I mean, I got my first, my second job in Green Bay, I got because the sports director there saw me just like carrying my gear every day, hustling every day. So just be mindful of like, people are always paying attention. People know who works hard. People know who, who don't work hard. Um, so I think it's just a combination of that and just being yourself, you know, own your personality. You don't have to be, you don't have to mold yourself after someone just because they're at a, they're making 10 million a year for ESPN. That That's great for them. Um, mm-hmm. But be your own person be yourself and just be authentic because people can tell when you're not authentic that at least I, I feel like people will be quick to call you out if they, if they don't, if they don't believe what you're, what you stand for. I also okay. tell people all totally the time agree. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time as well, whether it's TV or radio, especially radio, you, you have to be versatile. You, you can't just snatch yep. a mic and just uh, talk sports. Like what we do, you have to mm-hmm. research topics, come up with creative ways to uh, have a, a new segments edit. Uh, do updates because that's what I did, you know, when we were doing the Dean D- Davis show, uh, you know, just produce book guests. So you have to know everything about the business, not just one thing, especially now in this age of social media, you can't just be limited just to one or two jobs anymore. Yeah. And you have to be, it's, it's a number of different platforms, how you handle your social media. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it becomes like some days I'm like, wow, my TV part of it, whether I'm like posting on social media, doing interviews, the the, the two minutes you see on TV was like, the easiest part of the day. And it was just right. such a small part. So it is, it's a versatility thing, learning all aspects of broadcast and, and journalism and watching reporters and reading how they get their stories and how they build relationships with athletes um, and a level of trust because, you know, it, it, you can't just hit up athletes for a scoop all the time because they know that and they, they want to trust you that you got to care about them all the time. And it's, that those are valuable lessons for people that are coming into this business. Makina? I think like more, more like, you know, nuance, like, like we've been saying, you know, I, listen, I, I did, I did updates, I you know, book guests. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing, like the versatility that Sid was, was mentioning, you know, you gotta be, you know, especially nowadays, you know, this, you know, this, this you know, there are not a lot of sports jobs right now. So you kind of mm-hmm. gotta make sure you stand out from the crowd. Right. Right. And it, and sometimes it's hard because you feel like whatever you do, you don't stand out. And I think a lot of times in our, our society has been standing out is the number of followers you have. And, that, and that, that's not necessarily it for me. Um, I think you can still make an impression doing the work. And, you know, even if someone's like, oh, I've, I've interviewed them or I've talked to them or I've had them on my show and they were great and I enjoyed it. That to me goes such a long way in building your reputation, your reputation and your brand, so to speak, as much as I hate that word, but it, it all kind of goes, it all kind of plays in together. And I think people need to understand more of that. It's more than how many followers you have on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything like that. A couple more minutes with Caitlin Sharkey, Fox 32 Chicago sports reporter and anchor right here on second city sports. 
uh, Caitlin, uh, let me uh, uh, leave you with this question. This is going to be something out of your comfort zone, but I, you can handle it, right? Something fun. I can, I can handle it. I'm, I'm okay. up for whatever. <laughs> okay. We've been ask, I've been asking this question to our guests for the last few weeks, and I'll ask you, ask you here for this week's show. Uh, I'll give you one virtual ticket to go back in time. Which one of these four sporting events would you like to attend? You ready? I'm ready. Okay, number one, the Bulls-Jazz game six of the 1998 NBA Finals, Jordan's last shot. Number two, uh, the, the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl. You could choose which one, the Brett Favre one or the Aaron Rodgers one. Number three, uh, the Jackie Robinson opening day, 1947. Or number four, the Venus and Serena tennis final. Ooh. If you had one virtual ticket, which one would you go back? Would you, which sporting event would you go back in time to attend? Oh, man. It's tough between Jordan's last shot and Jackie Robinson's uh, opening day. Because those are both pretty – I'm going to go – I'm going to go Jackie Robinson because the rest you can t- – you've soaked in other in other ways mm-hmm. and you have you – can, you can draw memories and things like that. That one is like something you could never experience in that – except for being there. So I'm, I'm going Jackie Robinson. And no, no disrespect to our other guests, but you are the first person to select that. So we'll yeah. give you a hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 She did it over her Green Bay Packers to Super Bowl. So that's even more impressive. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. Yes. That, that yes. was the easy, that was the easy answer. You know, like I, I just, the Super Bowls are one thing. To witness Jackie Robinson playing baseball, there's nothing better than that. Wow, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't give her the choice of, like, you know, D. Wade and Mark Ketch turning to the Final Four. I'm surprised she didn't. Oh, that's a good one, Lakina. That is a I good mean, one. I didn't, that, that yeah, I didn't think one. about that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Speaking of the, uh, of the Bulls, before we let you go, Kaylin, um, uh, I tweeted back, uh, uh, back with you a couple of times uh, via Twitter during the last dance. How did you like that documentary and – what did you learn that you didn't know before about the Chicago Bulls back uh, during the 90s? I loved it. Um, I think being, given my age at that time, like, obviously I knew, like, the, I watched, I remember the highlights and the moments and Space Jam, of course, but it was fun for me now as a journalist and someone older to look at the, all the outside factors and the relationships that these players had with each other, their coaches, the front office. I thought it was super eye-opening. Um, I'm glad they did it. I think it was uh, really well done. It was very entertaining. It was fun to see, you know, the the personalities that obviously I knew a little bit about Dennis Rodman, but to see like, Mm -hmm. you know, just to hear the stories and things like that, that I would have never heard as a kid in the nineties. It was a blast. So I loved it. And I look forward to more of those things. And it was fun for everyone to kind of come together on Sundays and watch that Mm -hmm. as we wait for sports to return. Do you think, do you think that the Bulls can kind of, not necessarily copy that, but can they get really get back to being like those contending teams like it was in the 90s? I sure hope so. And I think it, it opened the eyes of a lot of people saying, okay, the Bulls have been sleeping. You know, what's going on? This is, they have yep. a big reputation to upheld and a big organ, like a big franchise and such a rich history. So I think the pressure is on for the Bulls and they're making changes. Um, and I think we'll continue to see more changes with the Bulls. But yeah, I think the pressure, because you want to be that team, you you know, the whole nation, the world just watched a 10 part doc about your team and your franchise. You want to, you want to hold those standards up. 
Yeah, uh, Kaylin, uh, of course, myself and Lilikina, we're children of the 80s. Not to uh, I'll age ourselves. Even though, I'm 20, <laughs> even though I'm 29, don't you forget that. But, uh, okay, but, all right. <laughs> and I'm but, 27, so. Okay, all right, perfect. 29, 27. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, we, we talked about on the show that we grew up during that time. So we saw the evolution of Michael Jordan. We saw the evolution of the Bulls. As you saw in the documentary, the Bulls were were a, a, a joke after the mid-70s with the late Jerry Sloan now and the late Norman Van Leer and the late Tom Borwinkle. They had a couple of good teams during the mid-70s, but the franchise was a joke until Michael Jordan got drafted there. So for myself and Lakina, we watched this franchise and this team grow from contenders through, through the Pistons battles with the Bad Boys, of course, the battles with the Knicks, all, all the way to see them winning six championships. Uh, it, it was a pleasure to watch it. And then, of course, for myself, and I think I tweeted this at you, I was a young child, and my late mother and her family friend had season tickets to the Bulls at old Chicago Stadium. And I tell people this all the time, even though the building is no longer there, obviously. That, that was the noisiest, noisiest arena in the NBA. The fans were on top of you, ready to go. You had the number one player in basketball, Michael Jordan, the number one person in sports. And it was just an absolute thrill. And it was an ab- absolute privilege as a young sports fan just to witness that. It's just like at the time, you know what's going on, but you don't until so you appreciate it later as an adult. And so and that's, that was my takeaway of it, you know, watching that documentary as a Chicagoan and, again, as a Bulls fan. For sure. And I think it was nostalgic for a lot of people. And, and like you said, you didn't realize it was such a big moment and such historic moment in sports mm-hmm. while it was all playing out. So it was fun to watch kind of and now you realize, like, wow, that was it was really some some big moments yeah. and some big games that I, I witnessed or that I was part of. So it's definitely a cool experience. Anything else from you, Lakina? Uh, no, I'm I'm no, I'm I'm finished. All right, last question for you, Kaylin. Then we'll let you go on this one. Where do you see yourself uh, five years from now? Do you still want to continue to do this, or do you have uh, a, a bigger vision for your career? Um, uh, um, what can you uh, say about the, your future? I'm. Uh, uh, what kind of impact you want to make? I, do, I just want to continue to do what I love and something that I'm passionate about, which is sports broadcasting in whatever form that is. Um, I think people get a little bit caught up in chasing the next big step. And I always want to advance myself and I always want to push myself and I'm super goal oriented and I, I'm, I'm always chasing some dream and I'm sure the dream will evolve in the next five years, whatever it's going to look like. So for me, it's just like continuing to learn, grow, be better at what I do and just making an impact, telling people stories and not just, you know, some people are like, Oh, she stands at a game and reports a game. No, I, I want to tell stories and I want to, you know, do these interviews and I want to make an impression and, and show other maybe young females, young sports broadcasters coming up that if you had a dream, like I, I've, I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid, you can make any mm-hmm. dream happen. You just gotta, gotta put in the work, you gotta sacrifice. And I think um, it's as cliche as it sounds just to continue to chase this dream that I've had since I was a little kid. On that note, thank you very much, Caitlin. Thank you. From Fox 32 Chicago Sports. Welcome to Chicago. You've been great with us here on Second City Sports. We want to invite you back in the future. Also, the other show that I'm working working with, with the Dean Davis Show, we would like to invite you on that show as well uh, down the line. Once again, welcome to our great city. Keep up the great work. And you have an open invitation to this show. Thank you. We love your personality. You've been very engaging. Chicagoans are going to love you here. If they Thank don't, you. That, that, that's on them. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. 
So, we'll get it. We'll get it for you. All right. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel so welcome. Thanks for having me on and giving me a voice. And I love chatting with you guys. So I look forward to doing it in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Caitlin. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. Be safe. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. All right. Well, that was was fun. I mean, she is. She is very personable. She's got a lot of charisma. Mm -hmm. And yeah, listen, I mean, people here in Chicago, we respect our sports reporters. So Mm -hmm. as long as you 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 do your thing and you're knowledgeable and you're you got good work ethic and we see it, she'll, 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 she'll fit in just fine here. Yeah, she will fit in just fine. She has a lot of personality and she has a lot to offer. She was very engaging with us and she knows what she's talking about. So you can challenge her anything, she'll give it right back. And we, uh, we love to have people uh, on to give us their perspectives and perhaps learn something from us as we learn from them. So this is what it's all about. I'm glad she came on today. She's been there for only a couple months, just like everybody, everybody else. If you're not in studio in terms of television and radio too, you're doing it for home like we are. We're doing our Zoom style radio broadcast from home. So uh, it's been great for us, but we still like to bring on the people who you can learn from and perhaps we can learn something from them. So I'm, I'm glad that Kaylin joined us today. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at KRoseSharkey. Once again, it's the letter K KRoseSharkey on both Twitter and Instagram. She'll do great things here. Yeah. Yeah. They, you might see her on the radio. You might hear her on the radio at some point. You, you never know. You never know. Yeah, we know. go to our first big break here in Chicago. Yes, no, let's let's we do. That's what we listen. That's what we do here. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Show you hashtag show your work. Show your work. That's what we do here. Yep. Uh, here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Uh, hmm, like there's a lot of things we want. Where do you want to touch on first? Because still like a lot of stuff that you know we want to talk about in these last few minutes. I just uh, just real quickly, and, and I, I did. Uh, I'm glad we touched this a little bit with Caitlin. Uh, can baseball get their act together? I, I know they had certain rules about the players not spitting, not high-fiving, and then you want to go back <laughs> and forth in front of the media. It's like, can you really finish this already and stop <laughs> fighting, please? Can you keep that stuff behind closed doors, please? I think that's... I don't know about you. I still want to see baseball, but if you can't get your act together, I don't want to hear from you, okay? Don't, the, last, the next thing I want to hear from baseball is we settle our stuff. There's going to be a season... Excuse me, they're making me sick here. <laughs> but, but the only thing I want to hear from baseball is uh, we have a deal in place. We set to start the season on this date, and here's our plan for, for safety for the players and the staffs moving forward. Other than that, I don't want to hear anything else. I'll it, let you have the floor. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of like it's sad at this point because you see some of the other, the other labor, uh, you're seeing what the NBA is doing. I mean, although there was a little bit. Although I also did call a little bit of black for saying that maybe older coaches probably wouldn't be a part of that, you know, tournament, if you will, down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. He's kind of since walked back from it really quickly. Gary Bedman and the Player Association there for the NHL, they've been very, you know, open and mm-hmm. honest with each other. Say, okay, you know what, this is what yeah. we need to do. This is what, you know, testing and, and such. Baseball, I don't know what to say about baseball at some point, at this point. I mean, I don't think nobody wants to hear it. I think people just want to, okay, let's get a deal done. Let's not, you know, enough. Okay, you want 80 games, fine. Okay, you don't want 80 games. Okay, okay. 114 games, okay. Okay, let's, let's just settle on a number. Let's go 70, 60 or 70, let's go. I mean, at this point, like, you know, we both said it. We all said it with Kaylin earlier. What? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people want escapism right now, especially. Maybe, yeah. okay, maybe it's a good thing there hasn't been any escapism because it kind of, like, confirms about what's been going on. But yeah. even still, but I think people are exhausted. I think people want to kind of, like, 
people want their sports. I mean, you're seeing it with the soccer leagues, you're seeing it with NASCAR and some of the other sports. Um, P, the PGA Tour, they're going to have their mm-hmm. first tournament in a couple, I think next weekend. So yeah. let's, come on, baseball, let's get it together here. And shout out, as you mentioned, Lakina, soccer, shout out to the MLS, Major League Soccer. Yep. They're not only they're returning for the season, they got their collective bargaining agreement uh, signed, sealed, and delivered yep. as well. Major League Baseball, are you listening? This is how you handle your business. Stop yelling at each other back and forth like five year old kids. Go behind closed doors and get stuff done, please. And they've and listen, MLS has had their own issues with, you know, their labor labor deal mm-hmm. and stuff. So the fact that they were able to get a deal together is a big step. So yeah. now they're figuring out like the, the final details. Okay, you know, let, let's go to Orlando. Well, Florida's gonna be like the epicenter of sports. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, these, this next you know, couple the state of months. Florida is crazy for other reasons, but we won't get into that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't we won't go we'll go there but right. they're gonna have a lot of revenue but uh yeah i mean at, at this point I, can we just like just get together just get your fleet together because you got there you go because if you lose a season I, I i don't know how you feel about i know you said that they may not have a big step back but i think they will because it took them a while to get recovered from the 94 strike mm-hmm. but Nowadays, you know, the tennis bands are so short now. You got more choices now than you did yeah. back then. It's listen, baseball's already had a hard time getting their younger, <laughs> younger people to you know to watch. This is going to make it even harder for them. So let's get you know get together. You know, agree on something. Okay, next thing I want to hear. Listen, we've agreed on 70, 80, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, we're going to have like a three week, three four week training camp. We got to figure out how you're going to get some of the players that are overseas to come back here because the borders are closed, unfortunately, right now. So mm-hmm. that's nothing I got to figure out. So I just, I think people just want, people just want baseball. Come on, guys. This is, this is supposed to be your summer. Boys, of summer. Summer's about to start. You guys are nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As, you, as I'm about to mention, the National Football League is king right now, at least in the United States. For those of you listening outside the United States territory, but <laughs> there's a group of people, including yours truly, that still loves the game of baseball. And baseball, this is their prime time spot right now. Like, you know, yep. with the summertime, uh, uh, I know it's officially the 21st or whatever, but they're supposed to be playing right now. It, you having this infighting drag out in public for no reason, which makes you look bad as each day goes yep. by. Just ha- handle your business. And if you do, uh, even though the fans won't be back in the stands this year, they'll be tuning in to watch every day. And, and there'll be something, like you said, to take their minds off a couple hours. Just some good old-fashioned pure entertainment uh, and people are still starving for that from the game of baseball because i guarantee you this if they're not back by july or early august we already know that the nba and the nhl will always have their seasons resuming by that that time and we know all know that the nfl preseason starts in august and if you're if you're the game of baseball and you're not there people are going to forget about you real quick and i heard someone say this earlier this week uh, should baseball not play this year and they go into the offseason knowing that your collective bargaining agreement is up after 2021, yep. you could be in a position that next season could be in jeopardy. If you want to start next season, you have to agree to this collective bargaining agreement. And if that's the case, it could be 1994 or worse all over again. And you cannot afford that if you MLB. For all the reasons I've said, People have short attention spans. There are a lot more choices exactly. now, and mm-hmm. you're going to be an afterthought. Um, we're just you're going to be an afterthought if you don't get your get yourself together. Just saying. I mean, mm-hmm. with the you know, all this, the, 
baseball, basketball will be starting and NHL will be resuming their stuff. We'll see where the NFL is, although it's going to be sort of, you know, business as usual, it looks like. So you're, you're going to be in the back burner baseball. Sorry. You just is, you just are. Yeah. And you need to get it together because it's going to be even worse than 94. That's all I'm going to say. And they cannot blame no one else but themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. In this case. Yeah. They definitely can't. Um, some college stuff to talk about right quick. Uh, Jean Lindsay Ponsetto, the longtime AD over at DePaul, announced that she'll be leaving. Uh, I think like the next few weeks. Uh, all I can say about this is that it's about a good decade too late. I think she's leaving <laughs> because yes, the women's basketball team. You know, Doug Bruno Bruno has been able to build that program mm-hmm. from the bottom up. You know, they've been to multiple postseasons. They've won multiple conference championships. But even still, you got UConn going to be coming back to the Big East. Yo, I'm not just saying. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, again, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about there, Sid. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Gino Ariama's on the phone here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, who's gonna, who they're going to bring in to be the new AD, especially this late in the game. And also, I'm sure Dave Leo's going to be on the hot seat, even though they did he did get an extension, which I don't know why, but that's a right. – I don't want to go with the whole whole another thing. But uh, right. this was long overdue, and we'll see. I mean, especially this late in the game, it'll be interesting to see that if they do put the hook on Dave Leo, who they bring in, because I think they've missed the mark mm-hmm. the last 15 years. There could have been, like, a whole mm-hmm. – a whole lot of people they would have clicked on. And, if, you know, Steve Lavin was very interested in the job. Rick Majerus, God rest his soul. He was very interested yeah. in me. Steve Masiato, who's a head coach over at Manhattan, he was very interested in the job. They could have gotten him before they brought Leo back. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can, you know, get this right. But we'll see. Uh, I just hope there's a, a, a person that, that, that's going to take the job, male or female, who's young, who's energetic, yep. and who's up with the times, and, and, and they can move this program forward. I'm just concerned as a basketball fan. It's been a long time since the men's team of Illinois and DePaul played each other. For some reason, they avoided playing each other for, for many years, for as long since we've been born. So hopefully <laughs> oh with this new AD, male or female, can we get Illinois and DePaul to play on the same corner at the same time, please? That's all I'm concerned about. Well, if you remember in the last dance, you know, once the whole thing started in the early, late 70s, early 80s, it was the DePaul men's basketball team that was the big yeah. ticket in town in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Bulls. The Bulls yeah. were just a footnote. There was exactly. no one going to those Bulls games. And that uh, MacArthur Arena, I think that was the name of it. And uh, there was another mm-hmm. one, uh, the alumni gym. Yeah. It's like, it was basically like Cameron Indoor. It was sweaty. There were a lot of mm-hmm. people there. If you listen, go back to some of those games back in the early 70s and early, early 80s. They saw you know, you they get were, them on YouTube. Yeah, check them out on YouTube because they were there and they were on national television all the time. And yeah, you know, the mid 80s and the late 80s, you know, they were going to the tournament consistently. You know, the early 90s with Joey Meyer, of course, with you know, this dad Ray for the first part of that. And also, like, you know, they had a little bit of a resurgence with Stephen Hunter and Quentin Richardson, but mm-hmm. that kind of fell out pretty quick. Yeah, so, never been back at that level since. Not, consi- and not consistently. Not right. consistently, but, so but, I'm, hope, I'm hoping. You know, I'm hoping that uh, whoever, like you said, so whoever they whoever they get to be the AD, they're like a fresh and new perspective, and mm-hmm. perhaps maybe get a young, new, energetic head coach to kind of like help revitalize that program. 
Yes, because he needs a shot in the arm right now. And I just wanted to wrap up by saying that when we were kids and we, when we were born, it was DePaul basketball first, Chicago Public League uh, bas- high school yep. basketball second. And that was before Michael Jordan. So oh, yeah. people go look it up, especially for our younger listeners. History, history books, people. You got yes. so many, listen, so many of those players that went to DePaul and some of the other, uh, the other uh, schools, especially here in the States, look out to some of those uh, – some of those old IHSA tournaments from back in the day, where they only had two classes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Marcus Liberty. Um, there's so many others. You know, the names are escaping me right now. But oh, Kendall Gill. Even though he didn't play, he did play just outside mm-hmm. of the city. But yeah, there have been so many players, and to get those players to stay home and stay in the city, I think that's the important part. It looks like Brad Underwood's starting to do it now for Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now you got to find somebody to. You know, Porter Moses has been doing it over at Loyola. We'll see what, you know, Chris Collins, he's done it a little bit, but it's kind of hard, you know, because of, like, the, the standards mm-hmm. of war at Northwestern. But hopefully it can get somebody to do that here for DePaul. Yeah, and that's been the concern of, over the last uh, couple of decades for our, our Illinois State teams. You know, Illinois State, U of I, DePaul, Illinois State, Northern Illinois. I know they had a, a more than a decent year this year before March Madness got canceled. Also, the team, uh, Brad, Bradley. Bradley, Bradley made it back yeah, to the tournament. We all know yeah. The, the, yeah, we all know that the Blue Chippers will go to these big schools like Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. But can you keep your second-tier guys at home? And, and, and that's been the big question for, for so long. Maybe, uh, hopefully, DePaul with their new AD, whoever they hire, can help to solve that problem for that school. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, though. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the new president does. He's been there for about a couple of years, and I think he was hoping that maybe he could probably make this move earlier, but I guess better late than never. We'll see if maybe mm-hmm. there was some maneuvering there to get her to retire. I know she just, just survived cancer. Maybe that might have had played a part in it. Who, who knows? But we'll see what the new president oh, – oh, I should say new. He's been there about a couple of years, but we'll see what he does now that he'll be able to bring his own personnel in. We'll see what he does. I mean, like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting though, because I, I think this is sort of the time for DePaul with everything, you know, everything that's been going on, I think to kind of like, you know, strike and kind of like get someone that can have the energy, someone young mm-hmm. to kind of bring that fresh new energy to DePaul because that's the thing that's been missed they've been missing. And they play no better, uh yeah, his job security I think is in question at this point. It is. And another thing I wanted to wrap up by saying is that in any industry, you know, when you bring new people and the higher-ups in, they want to hire their own uh, new personnel. So we'll see what happens at DePaul. Like you said, Dave Little is pretty much on the high seat for how long he's going to keep that job. Anything else you want to talk about, Sid? You want to wrap up on? We still got a few uh, minutes. I'm, I'm, you know what? Uh, uh, wrapping up with the George Floyd protest. Yeah. Uh, I know you kind of wrapped it up last week, but we didn't know what was going to transpire transpired we saw over the weekend what happened but we're with you as the protesters we do not condemn any looting and destroying nope. any any businesses uh that's your fault you cannot blame anybody else um, but yourselves for that uh you should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law i'll leave it at that as far as the negative aspect is concerned the news media of course i know we all know that old saying when it bleeds it leaves and i get it but you know let's keep our focus uh, let's keep our eyes on the prize Let's get some convictions for these murderers who murdered George Lloyd. And that's the goal right now. Also, equality is the goal right now. 
and also uh, police reform throughout our police forces across, across the country. That's an, uh, our main goal as well. So we redo as the protesters, peaceful protesters. It's a shame for what happened. Let's not put George Lloyd's name or any other uh, victim of this heinous act over the last uh, centuries and years. Let's not put their names in, in vain. Let's do something positive, come to together. We need everybody to listen, I mean, listen to everything, respect each other, have compassion. And like you said, Lakina, in last week's show, I'll say it here, vote. Don't believe that garbage that your vote doesn't count. It does. We've seen in the last few elections, it's going to happen again when you don't do it. And uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with this. Cliff Kelly, former WVON uh, AM Chicago host, said this, when you don't vote, you vote for the opponent. And don't complain when that person gets in office. It's your fault when you don't vote. Oh, that's one of the reasons why I love Clint so much. I mean, he doesn't sugarcoat it, which is great. That's why exactly. I'm such a big fan of his for many, many years. And I'm glad he's, mm -hmm. I'm glad somebody said it because mm -hmm. you see people, you know, using Colin Kaepernick's knees, but let's remember he didn't vote. So if you want to be part of the change, if you want to be part of, you know, what turns the corner, vote. Look at Ferguson, Missouri. They just elected the first African-American female mayor and, and female mm -hmm. mayor, Ella Jones, who's been in the city council there for almost 30 years. She's a, you know, born and raised in Ferguson. So mm -hmm. I, I think that, that, that shows you that if you want change, I see that I saw some of the reports that some, there have been some surges in voter registration. So the problem yeah. is let's get these guys to the polls. But I think if, if you want real change and seeing, you know, the, the protesting, seeing like the, some of the, National Guardsmen actually kneel with the protesters. Seeing Scott yeah. Swanson, who is the chief of, who's the sheriff over up in Flint, you know, Lord knows they've had their issues. March yeah. and, and some of the other uh, cops there march with the protesters. Seeing, you know, I think I think like in New York, they were in Brooklyn, they were doing the electric slide. <laughs> they were all doing the electric slide. <laughs> uh, they were doing like the, the oh. shuffle, I think, in some places too. So mm -hmm. it also it, also it happened in all fifty states. Which, if you look at it, you think really. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like Wyoming and Boise, Idaho, where they've had some, they've had their issues with this sort of hate. So it makes me feel better knowing that, okay, you know what, maybe people are starting to get it now. And we'll see if there's real change. But like I said, like you said, said real change starts with the voting and it starts locally voting. Yes. And I wanted to wrap up by saying that I said this on Dean Davis to flip last week, and I'll say it here. Uh, let's keep this momentum up in a positive yep. direction. Uh, vote in November, but also vote in your local elections. Go to your local city council meetings. Two years from now, we have the gubernatorial election where your senators and your uh, your judges too uh, vote as well. Your, your voice will be heard. So we got to keep this momentum going. Just because you voted doesn't mean the fight is over. You got to follow your candidates. Even if you didn't vote for them, you got to follow them to see what they voting on. You make your voices heard. Because remember, at the end of the day, we, the people, are their bosses, not the other way around. And also, you hear, like, certain celebrities, black celebrities in particular, say, well, I'm holding my vote hostage because they don't have a black agenda. Well, you know what? It all starts at home. Find mm -hmm. someone you run for, city council person mm -hmm. or alderman or whatever, however that works in your particular state or country. And also, you know, find someone that you have that black agenda. You know, there's no candidate's perfect. But find mm -hmm. someone that you know will have your best interest because like 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 Clinton Kellen just you know said it on his radio show, you know, vote, you're voting for the opponent and you got mm -hmm. nobody to blame but yourself if there's no change. So get your butts out there and vote. Not like I said, not just in November, but in the in March or you know, whatever your primaries are. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, 
no, and I, just, no, just, just to finish up here on this, yeah. um, just, it makes me feel better in other countries. The countries, all the other countries, you know, the Netherlands, which is, you know, saw a big, uh, a big protest and also, you know, London and, and England, mm-hmm. they're watching us now. So do the yes. right thing, guys. Yes. And power can seize nothing without demand. You don't ask your politicians what the agenda is for you. You come to them with their polit- with your agenda you, you, and you demand of them, are they going to help you execute that? Because other groups, they, they take that playbook and they get things done. And so if you want to get this done, you got to organize. You tell them, are, are, is that politician going to help you execute your agenda? If not, you got to find another candidate. That's how this works. Yeah, you can't, you can't hold uh, a place, uh, your, your vote hostage because you don't think that person's got the right agenda or a certain agenda. You, you can't think of it it's that way. It's not that job to have your agenda. It's your exactly. job to come up with the agenda. For them. Exactly. So look at that. We're finished. Sure this is crazy. We're, we're like, we're siblings <laughs> now, Sid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, so uh, I think it's great to see like all this, all this camaraderie here, but let's, you know, like you said, let, let's keep the momentum up. Let's not, mm-hmm. let's not dawdle, you know, let, let, let's keep it up. You know, let's keep this energy up in November and also in the, your, your state primaries and whatnot. So let, let's keep it up, folks. Let's not just let it be like a flash in a pan because news cycle changes quick. Let's keep exactly, it up. Because, yeah, because if it becomes a flash in a pan, like Caitlin said, we'll be back at it doing this all over again. Hence, the bit will be much worse. And if it is, uh, this will be all for nothing. And we do not want to come back here saying that this was all for nothing. I don't want to do that. No, nah, I don't think anybody, I, none of us do. None of us does. And, exactly. and hopefully we'll have Nate Boyer on at some point. You know, I reached out to him. You know, I know he's going to be, I'm sure he, he's like on high demand, like for the last few, <laughs> I'm sure these next mm-hmm. few weeks. So I'm sure I'm going to try to uh, contact with him. He said, let's, let's link up. Let's see what we can do. So hopefully we'll have him on in the next few weeks. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about all this. <clears throat> and, uh, but the cabinet says that's becoming back in the, into the spotlight. So Hopefully we'll have him. We'll, hopefully we'll have him on in the next few weeks to see what his opinions are on all this. Yeah, hopefully we can get him on. I can't wait to interview him because he has a lot of thoughts and 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 he served our country well. And it'll be interesting to see if we can get him on and engage with him and see what his thoughts are, what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely, should be fun. So, on that note, you got anything else, Sid? No, I'm good. It was a fun show today. Thank you very much once again to Miss Caitlin Sharkey new sports anchor reporter for Fox 32 Chicago Sports. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Sharky. Once again, the lady Sharky on Twitter and Instagram. She was a lot of fun today. And this is uh, another fun-filled week uh, for myself. And hopefully you feel the same way, Lakina. This was a great show today. Yeah, this is very thought-provoking. And I'm glad we were talking about the Floyd stuff and George Floyd and all that, you know, everything that's been going on. Hopefully we'll see real mm-hmm. change. That's, yeah. that's the million-dollar question. So you can follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter, at Keita underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. And you can listen to the Dean Davis Show on War on Anchor as well, as well as other um, platforms for your podcast. Once again, that's Dean Davis to Flip and Dean Davis to Sports Show. And you can follow the Dean Davis Show on all social media platforms that is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dean Davis Show. You can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. Also, you can listen to the show on that as well, also on Anchor and on Spotify and yeah. anywhere where you get your podcasts. Yep. Please so, listen in, including today's show with Kate, Caitlin Sharkey. It was a whole lot of fun.
covered a lot with Caitlin today. And I think so I'll hurt. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, we covered a lot with Caitlin today. So she's gonna fill in just fine here in Chicago. So for Sid, I'm the kid. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> All right, and we'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody, and keep your hands clean. Yes, uplift each other. That's the only way we're going to get through this, uh, these two crises together. Uplift each other, respect each other, and love each other. Holla! And listen to each other. Yes.